Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we're so thankful for the strength that you give us to take the next step, to do the next right thing, to serve you in every single moment that we live, even when doing so is difficult. So on this All Saints Day, we pray that you would remind us of the hope that anchors our souls, that you would help us to look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorned the shame and sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Speak to our hearts and transform us by the renewing of our minds that when we leave this experience, we leave differently, more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray, amen. You know, All Saints Day is a lot like life. If you're in Jesus Christ, All Saints Day is hard, and it's allowed to be hard. I want you to hear that. It was hard for me looking out at the people who stood in recognition of the names that were read earlier in our service, because I've gotten to walk with you. And we've walked together through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what we do as a congregation. That's one of the gifts that God has given us in one another, that we, we don't walk alone through these moments, but rather we're surrounded by God's people who are there to be God's hands and feet to us and, and to do simple things like give us hugs and give us words of encouragement, send cards to help us know that we We're not in this by ourselves, or even to bring fried chicken, because we all know that fried chicken makes everything a little better, at least for a moment, right? But God has given us the gift of one another to walk through the hard together. But All Saints Day also reminds us of the hope that we have. It's hard, but it's hopeful. It's hopeful because we are gathered this Sunday morning to worship a Savior who has defeated death. And one day we will see and say with 1 Corinthians 15, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? There will come a day when death will no longer hurt like it does today. And we're so thankful for that. And so although we grieve, we do not grieve as those who have no hope, for we are bolstered by the everlasting reality of our God who is victorious over all of those things. And so we gather to walk alongside one another through the valley of the shadow of death, but we also gather to remind each other. How many of you need reminding sometimes? Well, I know I do. We gather to remind each other that this isn't how the story ends. For all of those who are in Jesus Christ, the grave doesn't win. Death doesn't have the final word. No, Jesus has the final word, and he is the one who has come to give us life Life on earth that is full and abundant and life that is everlasting with Him. So we encourage one another with these words. You know, the early Christians had these same questions. They, they were curious about what happens when we die. And frankly, they were wondering about what had happened to their loved ones who had died in the, in the time between Jesus' cross and resurrection and ascension into heaven and, and the return of Christ, which they were anticipating to come very quickly. What has happened to our loved ones who have, who have left us? Do they just miss out? Are, are they in limbo somewhere? What, what has happened? 
And so Paul writes a letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he gives them some insight so that they don't have to be uninformed or unaware, but that they could be encouraged and strengthened in hope. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Today we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, through chapter 5, verse 11. If you're in the Red Pew Bible here in the room, that is page 987, page 987. But I want to give you this theme this morning for those of you who are taking notes. Every Christ follower is a saint. Did you realize that? Just a little sidebar here, you don't have to be canonized by the church at Rome to become a saint. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are a part of the body known as the saints. And so you, if you are in Christ, are a saint. Every Christ follower is a saint, and every Christ follower has hope that will never fade. Every Christ follower is a saint, and every Christ follower has hope that will never fade. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Our first point today is this, in Christ, I know what's going to happen when I die. In Christ, I know what's going to happen when I die. Now, is there still some degree of mystery? Yes. But the Bible tells us, and God in his grace tells us, that we can know the gist of what's going to happen when my life on this earth comes to an end. We'll use me as an example because I'm much more comfortable with my death than you may be with yours. I'll just tell you that at the moment that my life on this earth comes to an end, not because I'm good enough, not because I've served as a preacher, not because I get a paycheck from a church, not because of anything outside of the grace of God through Jesus Christ my Lord that I have partaken of by faith. In other words, I was a sinner separated from God because I was a sinner. My sin separated me from God. But God so loved me that while I was still a sinner, he gave his only son for me. And Jesus took my sin upon himself, and the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus died on an old rugged cross in my place, the death that I deserve to die. He was buried in a tomb, and the third day he arose from the grave, and he lives today. I believe that. More than just believing that theoretically or even theologically, I have received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Doing that doesn't make me special. That offer is open to you as well. But again, I'm more comfortable with my death than I am perhaps than you are with yours, so I just want to tell you that the only reason that I would ever get to go to heaven is because Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sin. Jesus Christ rose from the grave and he lives today. And he has welcomed me home, and I have responded to that invitation. The same can be true of you. In fact, that list of names we just read, the only reason any of them are in heaven, even though many of them were wonderful, wonderful people, they're not in heaven because they were wonderful people. They were sinners who deserve to go to hell, just like me. 
And the only reason they're in heaven is because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. They received that grace by receiving Jesus as Lord. And that same opportunity is open to all people. But because I've received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and His grace through His blood has washed away all my sin, at the moment of my death, I will go immediately into the presence of the Lord. You say, how do you know that? Well, think back to the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23. Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine what it must have been like for him to go from being tortured on a cross and then exhibiting faith in the one crucified on the middle cross? And Jesus saying to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Such that the moment he took his last breath on earth, the next moment he was in paradise. He didn't deserve to be there, but neither do you. And neither do I. But he had received the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And in that next moment, he was immediately in the presence of Almighty God. And he was well. The Bible tells us in several places, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, Paul writes that we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul says he desires to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. That one little verse, Philippians 1:21, was preached by a preacher at Camp Lucon in 1991 or so, and I was gripped by that. That to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because if you're in Christ, you go immediately into the presence of Almighty God. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica that when Christ returns, he will bring the spirits of those who've gone before us with him. Well, how's he going to bring them with him? Because they're with him already. That's how that works. And so here's what I can know, that at the moment of my life coming to an end, because I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and has received his grace, my spirit will go immediately to be with him. I'm so encouraged by that, and so can you be. But then look at verse 15. Paul writes, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Our second point. In Christ, I know what's going to happen when Christ returns. Now, at Vespers tonight, we'll talk more about this, our last Vespers of the year, really, because we have other things going on through the end of the year. We'll talk more about this, but here's what we can know. That if we're believers in Jesus Christ, the return of Christ is not a fearful thing for us at all. Now, it is for those who are outside of Christ. The Bible says it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and when Christ returns, he will come to do two things. One, he will come to gather his church, all of those who have surrendered their lives unto him and received Jesus Christ as Lord. He will gather us. He will bring some of us with him, and he will call others of us into the air to join him, and we'll be with him. And the other thing that he's going to do is judge the earth, and it will be the most fair thing. We hear a lot of people crying out about fairness these days. It will be the most fair moment in all of human history, and most people will hate it. Because we don't really want fair, do we? But Jesus will come. 
And he will usher in the kingdom of God. And it will be the most amazing day in the history of ever for those of us who trust and follow Jesus. Those whose bodies have been buried, whose spirits have departed to be with the Lord, will be rejoined. They will be physically resurrected from the grave and be given resurrection bodies like Jesus's. Then what's that going to be like? I don't know. I know he ate food, and I know he could walk through locked doors. That's all I got. But it's going to be good. No more disease, no more issues, no more looking in the mirror and seeing the effects of time passing. How many of you have experienced that? I'm going to start looking in the mirror with my glasses off because I look better when I can't see. It will be well. But the biggest thrust of this passage that I want you to hear and be encouraged by is verse 17. So we will always be with the Lord. The one who said, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age, minute. If you're in Christ, he's with you always. And if you're in Christ, you're with him always. And for those who've crossed over that spiritual Jordan and gone on to glory, they've traded in their faith for sight. We who remain, we walk by faith, not by sight, but those who've been called home to glory, they don't need faith anymore because you don't need to believe in what you're looking at. We will always be with the Lord. And so Paul can then say, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, the next three verses are hard. I'll tell you why. Let's look at them. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Our third point. In Christ, I want all people to be ready for Christ's return. I'm going to tell you something. The, the return of Christ or the moment of death is gain for everyone who's in Christ. It is the greatest moment that could ever come for anyone who is in Christ. But for those who are outside of Christ, it is the most terrifying moment. It's, it's like when Noah had built the ark in the middle of the desert and everybody made fun of him until one day the springs of the earth burst forth and the rain started to fall and God shut the door. And in that moment, the day of mercy and openness to be saved through the ark was over. You just got the flood. You just got the wrath of God that you deserved. Well, the Bible says that the coming of Christ will be much like that. One day at a time we do not know, Christ will return or our life on this earth will come to an end. My former preacher, Steve Ayers, used to say, if you would show me the expiration date on the bottom of your foot, we'd lay off the gospel. But since you don't know the day of your death, we better get things squared away today. Because at the moment of Christ's return or at the moment of your death, the day of mercy has come to an end and the day of judgment has arrived. And as hopeful as Christ's coming will be for all of us who trust and follow Jesus, so it will be terrifying for those who are not in Christ. And so God in his mercy has left us here to say, y'all come to Jesus. Please come to Jesus. 
Find forgiveness of your sin in Jesus. Find everlasting life in Jesus. Turn away from your life of sin and receive Jesus Christ today because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Matter of fact, you don't even know what the rest of today holds. We want all people, all people, to have this hope. And so we proclaim the gospel. And now look at verses 4 through 11. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Our fourth and final point today is this. In Christ, I am not afraid of Christ's return, for I am not destined for wrath. In Christ, I am not afraid. You know, the Bible says God's perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And those who are afraid of God's punishment haven't been yet perfected in love. We look to Jesus. We trust in Jesus. We say that his death on the cross was enough to cover over not part of our sin, but all of our sin. That his resurrection from the grave was enough to, was enough to, to seal our justification into a to remind us of the hope that we have, not just now, but forever. You know, if you're in Christ, the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for you. Why? Because all of the condemnation that you and I deserved was poured out upon Jesus, and he died to take it all. And he rose again to declare that even the condemnation and death that our sin brought upon him could not keep him dead. He has won the victory. And you know who else wins the victory? All those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, including the list of saints that we read earlier in our service today. Encourage one another brothers and sisters, with these words. For if you are with the Lord today, you will always be with the Lord. And if you're not yet with the Lord, His arms are open to receive you now. Come to Him, turning away from sin and believing, receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.